Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, good morning. Welcome to Trinity Community Church. How are you doing today, everybody? We have, um, before we get rolling, uh, you know, this is a special weekend for us. Um, The Bible tells us this, there's no greater love than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. And it still blows my mind that, that we would have men and women that would choose to, to lay down their lives for people that they may never meet. Um, so today we honor and we celebrate those that gave the ultimate, they paid the ultimate price for us. I, uh, my father, every time I think of Memorial Day, my father just passed away a few years ago. And, um, and I'm grateful for his service and for the things that he's done. So uh, let's just take a moment, let's pray over all the families that lost loved ones that had served for us. Father, we, we thank you right now for, um, for all these men and women, Lord God, that, that fought for us, that, that carved for us, Lord God, a way that we could worship freely. And Father, we just we're grateful, Lord, for their sacrifices. And we pray right now that, Lord, you'd be with every family that's lost a, a vet, whether in combat, Lord God, or they've just passed along and they carried the scars of war with them throughout their life. Father, we thank you, Lord, for um, all of their service. And Father, we pray that you'd bring healing to their families as we remember. In your name, and everybody said, amen. amen. As we get rolling, I just felt like God wants me to put just input one thing real quick before we get into our talk today. Um, I think we've got two very uh, similar themes for what God is, is doing in our midst. God is a promise keeper. Have you ever wondered why God gives you a promise? He gives us a promise to keep us positioned for the road that's ahead. God is always about purpose and destiny, fulfilling your purpose, fulfilling your destiny, and using you to fulfill the destiny and the purposes of others. And he'll give us promises sometimes to help us in the in-between, from where we are now to where he's taking us to be. The promise keeps us in the right position to get to where we're going. And the promise also gives us what we need to endure when we don't see the results just yet. It's that promise. We hold on to the promise. Some of you have been praying for your children for a very long time. I want to encourage you. Don't give up on the promise. God's spoken some words to you. And just like Mary, treasure those words in your heart and keep praying. God's shifting situations in your life. Hold on to the promise. Even though you don't see it yet, that doesn't mean it's not happening. It doesn't mean God's not working. The promise is for us. As believers, we are people of the promise. We do not jump off the boat when it gets bumpy. As believers, we endure to the end. So take that in and trust the promise. And you know what? God might surprise you. He's kind of in that business. We thought you were dead. Oh, you're alive. Right? I want to welcome uh, Bishop Joseph. Pastor Joseph is here from Africa. It's good to see you, my brother. You see his two girls here all the time. You know, you got, you got Jem and Jess. They're all, they're all up here all the time, dancing and singing and leading us in worship. How many of you think that they did a pretty good job with the kids, right? Thank you. Um, so today we finish up our series called Uncomfortable. And today we're going to talk about probably one of the biggest challenges that we have as, as, as a church when it comes to uh, being uncomfortable. I remember uh, years ago, as I, as I get older, it's kind of interesting how we kind of live through the different phases of life. 
I remember um, when we were just kind of starting out, Robin and I were married for about maybe four years, and we discovered that, that Robin was with child. She was pregnant. How many of you know that when a baby comes, everything changes? You don't realize how selfish you are until the baby comes, and you realize it's about them now. It's not about us anymore. Now, you know, as you're going through the process, let's just be real. We have no idea what we're doing, right? Try to figure it out. I remember they gave us this book called What to Expect When You're Expecting. It was like the size of my Bible. You know how much of that I read? Not much. Because it was just like the size of my Bible, right? And we had the classes. We didn't have, it wasn't like the internet the way it is now. None of that stuff existed. We were just kind of simple people trying to figure it out. So as men, girls, I know that you're carrying the baby and it's tough on you. But I want you to think about us for a minute. It's not easy being a man trying to navigate you and the baby and all the stuff. And I remember, you know, early on in our, in our stuff, Robin with, with, with Tyler, she was sick for nine months. When I say sick, the woman threw up every day multiple times a day. When she delivered Tyler, she was 15 pounds lighter with Tyler than she was before she got pregnant. That's how much she got sick. It's a great weight loss thing, but that's how sick she was. And early on in that, in that journey, I was very compassionate. She'd get sick, and I'd be in her bathroom with her, and I'd hold her hair back, say, honey, it's okay. I'd rub her back. By like month seven, I would scream from the bed, hey, honey, can you shut that door? That sounds disgusting. <laughs> and it would kind of go. So I noticed, I noticed one day she was a little down in the dumps. So I thought, what can I do as a husband to lift her spirits? So I thought to myself, self. I know what she loves. She loves to, to go shopping. So what could lift the spirits of a woman more than to go clothes shopping? So in an act of pure brilliance, I took my wife. We didn't have any money at all, so we went to the classiest place we could afford, which was the Walmart. I took my wife to Walmart when she was like seven and a half, eight months pregnant to buy clothes to cheer her up. I remember standing outside the dressing rooms. Robin had about five or six outfits. And I heard this whimper from the dressing room. <laughs> and at that point, the, the thought occurred to me. The first time it occurred to me, I thought, perhaps, TJ, you didn't think this through. Maybe this is not the best course of action. Then my wife came out of the dressing room. She could only fit in one of the five things that she bought or that she, that she had there. And she looked at me, and I could tell that this was going to be a bad, uncomfortable situation. Have you ever been in an uncomfortable situation? So she looked at me. She goes, now, you be honest with me. Exactly. She said, do I look pregnant or do I look fat? And have you ever heard of the no-win situation? In Star Trek, they called that the Kobarashi Maroon. What is that, the Kobarashi Maroon? And I looked at her, and I just hugged her, and I said, baby, baby, baby. Ah, oh, baby. I just I hugged her, hoping that she would forget she even asked the question. Have you ever been uncomfortable? Let me just let you in on a little secret. The Christian life is an uncomfortable life. If you're going to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, there's a difference in having confidence and knowing you're on the right path and, and doing all these great things and living a life of comfort. God never designed your faith around your comfort. He designed your faith so that you can live out the purposes that he has for you the purposes and the plans that he has for you. Now, this is the interesting thing about, about Christianity. 
You can be uncomfortable in your faith and still walk in peace and strength and joy. You can have all those things. You can feel God's pleasure even when the hills are high and the valleys are low, even when all those things are kind of ripping around and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Because here's the reality about our lives as believers. We are constantly growing. We're constantly becoming more like Jesus. So that means that we're stretching. There's faith opportunities. That means we're just going to be uncomfortable. It's okay for us to be uncomfortable. God's okay with that. In fact, when you start to shape the gospel to make you comfortable, we miss the whole point. Because what happens then, then the gospel turns inward instead of it being outward. So today, we finish up our series about being uncomfortable with probably the biggest challenge that we face in the church today. And here it is. One little word, two letters. The biggest thing we struggle with in the church today by far. One word, two letters. You ready for this? Deep theological word? Go. That's it. Go. When Jesus left, he gave us that one instruction. Go. One letter, two words. Or one word, two letters. Go. So tough I can't even say it right. That's all he wants us to do. And when's the last time you went? Isn't it funny how the church, instead of being able to follow those marching orders, has turned inward? And we stay, and we, we, we screw it all up. We miss it all up. We become, we have this now, this defensive posture where we think we have to protect, we have to push back, we have to, to keep the darkness away from us. And Jesus never said that. He said, go. He called us to go into darkness. He called us to go and to set captives free, not to pray that they trickle into our buildings. Go. Go and tell the world about Jesus. Go and make disciples. Now, for us as a church, we call this the Great Commission. These are our marching orders that are left to us by our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, flip over to Matthew 28. 28, 19, and 20. Again, if you... Uh, have our little app, you get all my notes. If you're in the U version of the Bible, you get all my notes. It's important to see the words with your own eyeballs. These are our marching orders as a church. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Last week, we did that. We baptized 28 people, excuse me, 26 people here last week from death to life. A beautiful expression of faith and all kind of other great things. All that comes from going. So we know this. We know the heart of God is for you and I to go. So how do we as a church practically do this? How do we practically get out of our comfort zone and walk this out in our daily life? Well, if you've got your Bibles, flip to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to live here today. I'm going to try to be shorter than I was in the first service. Some of you couldn't find parking spots because I went over. Sorry. Because this is huge. It's important. This is how important it is. You know, we have our big three at, here at, at Living, excuse me, at, at, at Long Day Today, at Trinity Community Church. Love, grow, and share. We love God and people extravagantly. 
We're committed to growing in our faith and helping others to grow in theirs. And what's the last one? Share. We're committed to sharing our faith and our lives with others. Why do we have that in there? Because of the Great Commission. As, as believers, we're called to make disciples, to go and make disciples. Even Jesus said this. Jesus, when he was talking to Peter, he says, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell won't stand against it. The last I checked, gates were not mobile. So who should be moving into darkness? The church. We're not afraid of darkness. We don't hide in holes. We seek and save the lost. We bring God's love, power, and presence everywhere we go. That's what the church is designed to do. And you know why our churches aren't filled? Because we're not living out our purpose. We've turned into something else. We're not a pleasure ship. We're a battleship. We go into darkness and we set captives free. That's what we do. Are you with me, beloved? Everybody say, Pastor TJ. Say, we love you. Because Jesus said we had to. Today you will be uncomfortable, and that's okay. Because God is preparing to do something in us. He's sending us to save our world. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 2 says this. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing, of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and with careful instruction. Let's just walk through this passage real quick and see what God gives us, the strategy he gives us in order for us to, to share our faith and to live up to that, that, that word, go. First is this, be prepared to preach the word. What is that for us? Sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel is one of the most important things that you can do. Now, that word gospel is very simple. It means this, good news. The gospel is very simple. In fact, you have been, you know, completely immersed in what the gospel is. You see it at every sporting event. You see it when you go out there. You know, probably the, the most well-recognized verse on the planet is John 3.16. Why? Because it encapsulates the good news. The gospel, John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is the good news that Jesus was talking about. This is the gospel. This is the word that Paul encourages Timothy to preach. God came to save everybody, even the people that look different than you. He came to save everybody. So when you, you couple the good news, salvation, with the great commission to go, how do we share the gospel through the lens of our personal stories? Do you know that you're a living story, a living book? You're a book of God's faithfulness. That means this, how you live your life. People should be able to watch your life, and your life should lead them to Christ. What did St. Francis of Assisi said? Preach the gospel. And if you have to, use words. If somebody followed your life, would it lead them to Christ? If somebody followed your checkbook, would it lead them to Christ? If somebody followed your internet browser, would it lead them to Christ? Ay caramba. Scary, isn't it? If somebody followed you at work, would it lead them to Christ? That's the goal. So when it comes to 
to Christ. Preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel through your lens, using your story, that's what we call your testimony. And what's cool about your testimony is this, it's not just your story. Your story is a part of the grand story, part of everything. This cosmic story of salvation, this big thing, in this big story of God so loving the world that he gave a son, in that whole story, your life is a part of that. You have a page. You have a paragraph in the big song that is salvation. You have a verse. You're part of the grand thing, your testimony. So what is your testimony? Your testimony is this very simply. It's how God has impacted your life. It's how he found you and what he's done in your life ever since then. How much of you actually put thought into your testimony? I mean, you put thought into what you did with Christ. You know, how God's impacted your life. Why don't we prepare our testimonies? Do you know why? We forgot our mission. We forgot we're supposed to go and make disciples. If you don't have to go and you don't have to make disciples, why do you need a testimony? No, that's what Pastor TJ is for. I bring him to the church and Pastor TJ makes him laugh and then they come to Jesus. Isn't that how it works? And don't get me wrong, that's fine too, but that's not the core mission. How many of you know that the church is a people, not a place? You are the church. I am the church. Where you go, the church goes. I remember years ago, so and don't, don't get mad at me. Don't you dare send me emails. You know, people lose their mind over, God's been taken out of the schools. No, he hasn't. God doesn't live in a building. He lives in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. I used to tell them all the time, we're, we're, you know, my kids would be in school in Denver. God's out of the building. No, he isn't. You know why? Because Tori Lynn Harris is in there. Well, if you've seen her, she's kind of like a hurricane. You can say whatever you want, but she's going to get things done. Tyler's going to get things done. Toby's going to get things done. Where you go, God goes. I'm in a godless place. Great, that's where you belong. Where does a candle belong? In a dark place. Shine. Pastor, you got to deliver me. No, we don't. You just need to shine. Don't send me an email. I don't want emails, right? <laughs> we don't prepare a testimony because we forgot our core mission. Your core mission is not to not get dirty. Your core mission is not to isolate yourself from dirty and scary people, because I know none of us in here do that. So we did this thing yesterday, because we thought it was brilliant, and it ended up being, do you ever think, do something you think is going to be brilliant, and it ends up being dumb? So we had, a, we had a yard sale. And in my mind, this is how the yard sale is going to go. We we're going to go out there, put all of our junk out that could be your junk for the right price, be done in an hour or two, and then just, you know, close up shop and go on to my... We're out there a long time, so we're there, and we're, we're selling stuff, and everything's going on. And lo and behold, this guy comes into the driveway. He's got a pedal bike that he slapped a motor onto. So it sounds like this. Whee! He comes into our driveway, and he's kind of, you know, a little discombobbled. He comes across the yard, and he slams into our, our, our basketball hoop. And I thought, here we go. So I had a little plan. We got a few people, a few shoppers there at the Harris Yard Sale. And everybody sees him, and he gets off his bike. Skinny guy, probably in his mid-60s, and he's stumbling a little bit. And I'm wondering, I'm thinking, why is he stumbling so much? And then he came up to me, and I got a good whiff of his breath. He said, hey, and the alcohol level off his breath curled my, my eyebrows, my hair curled back, and I went, 
hey. And it was funny. As we were talking, he was loud. He was stumbling along. You know, I could hear him get louder. We're talking. And as I, I kind of peek out of my eyes, all of our other shoppers are kind of going like this. They're looking at him. They're going, and they're doing their own thing. And, they're kind of, and one lady took her kid, and they walked out of the thing as if we're like, you know, Walmart or something like that. I'm trying to sell like old used socks. But, you know, if you can't handle that. So I'm talking to the guy, and I realized this was affecting the rest of the clientele. So I just started to just befriend him even more because I thought this was awesome. To ask him about his life, what's going on, and blah, 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 blah. And we start talking, become friends. And, and he ends up, he's got his bike. He ends up buying a weed whacker um, that I can never get started, um, which is why it's at the yard sale. Uh, a, a router, and then I give him a little thing of gas because the last thing I got, this got a motor to it. And he straps all the stuff to his bike, and he holds the weed whacker like one of those, those, those lances from like medieval times, you know, where they're going to joust. And he takes off out of the driveway, and he's like this, and literally a lady's pulling in, and she swerves to avoid him. She drives into my lawn, parks the car, and walks up and goes, now I see what this sale's about, in my grass, and I watch him drive away. Somebody told me, Ryan, was that you? Somebody told me they, they saw him driving away. Was that you, Ryan? They're like, we saw this guy, I forget who it was, like, this guy with a weed whacker was leaving your house. I'm like, I know! Did he make it? What do we do with people like that? We avoid them. You don't make eye contact. You pretend that they don't exist. Why? Because we've forgotten our core mission. What is our core mission? To reach those that are far away and to bring them back to Christ. We look for opportunities to speak eternity into their lives. That's what we do. Now, most of us avoid people like that. In fact, let's just be real. Most of us avoid everybody when it comes to our faith. Why? One of the reasons is this. We're not prepared. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. I, I, I get nervous. I get the butterflies. I can't, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. Even though that is the one thing Jesus told us to do. Go. Go. How many of you have jobs? If at your job they told you to push the red button, how many of you would figure out how to push the red button? Well, I just I can't do it. How long would you be employed if you can't push the red button? So you know what we have to do? Because we don't push the red button, we have to make Christianity about something else. So now it's about repelling evil and apologetics. You need all that stuff. Don't get me wrong. But none of that is the core mission. The core mission is seeking and saving the lost. And you can't do that. Unless you're willing to go, taking the gospel to others. So one of our challenges is, is to be prepared. When the opportunities arrive, to be prepared to be able to share our faith. But sometimes we're just, we're not ready for the big moments and we don't know what to do. Preparation is important. I have people that sometimes they'll, uh, they, they kind of joke around, but they don't. They'll be like, Pastor, how does it feel to work like one day a week? And I'll be honest with you, if, if, if you, that's your thing, I just, that usually makes me want to punch you. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. In fact, I was sitting with Mark or somebody this week. It's a bit Mark and Dave, and we calculated my hours up this week. And I'm not proud of this. I'm just going to tell you where it was at. Um, it was Thursday, and I was already at 55 hours on Thursday, without counting Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it's just a heavy week. I had meetings at night, all these other things. But you have people that do. And sometimes people forget 
we, we go to school to do this just like anybody else. I don't, you know, how would you do this, Pastor? Did you just stand up at a church one day and just start preaching? Yeah, that's what I did. And everybody was cool with that, you know, so that's just what we do. We go to school. We learn how to break down the Scripture. We exegete Scripture. We learn how to speak. <laughs> they give us a crash course on everything. We have to learn how to counsel. We've got to learn how to, to be great with finances for the church. We've got to learn how to, to take care of all things. You know, even like do the plumbing. When, you know, when the toilet gets plugged up, you know whose responsibility is to get that thing unplugged? I didn't take a class for that, but I figured that out. So we go to school for all these things, but still there's other parts of this stuff that you don't do until it's time to do it. For example, I, I prepared funerals and I prepared weddings, but you don't experience a funeral until you actually do it. So I'm like 21, maybe 22 years old. I'm on a, a, a staff at a church, and one of my buddies calls at like 4 or 5 in the morning. He goes, TJ, because I need your help. I go, what's that? He goes, I'm deathly sick. He goes, I'm going to marry this couple today, like 10. I said, what do you need? He goes, well, I, I need you to marry them for me. I said, well, I've never married anybody. He goes, it's easy. You can't screw this up because I got all the notes. Everything's great. You can do this. I need your help. I'm like, ah, I, I, I don't know if I can do this because you can do this. You're trained for this. And I'm like, I guess I am. And how many of you, you got to do it sometime, right? How many of you know that guy that did your surgery? For all those guys, there was a first. Now, you probably don't know who that is. Well, you know what? I trained to be a heart surgeon. Tonight, we're going to give it a whirl. <laughs> Is there somebody else that could join you on the surgery, maybe? So I said, okay, I'll do it, Glenn. I'll do it. And he goes, oh, by the way. And I go, oh, nuts. There's always a by the way. He goes, the bride gets a little nervous. He goes, when she gets nervous, she passes out. I said, what do you mean pass out? He goes, I mean, like, out. He said, now, we did the rehearsal last night. She only passed out, like, three times. I go, three times? I go, what do you mean? He's like, would you ever see those, like, fainting goats? I'm like, here we go. He goes, I need you to do this. So I'm calculating. It's like 5, and the, the, the wedding's at 10, and it's like two hours away. I'm like, I'm just going to get there like just in time. He goes, it'll be fine. He goes, I'll have my wife drop off my book. All you got to do is read the book. It'll be fine. Here we go. So I grab the book. I head up there, and I get there with about five minutes before the wedding. I'm the, the rental pastor to take care of this thing. So I meet the family. They seem very nice, and they get me in place, and I'm standing there with the groom like we always do, and the bride's in the back, and there's about 200 people there. It's TJ's first wedding, but you know, you got to fake it till you make it, right? I got this. No problem. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. They start the music. Dum, dum, dum. Down she goes. <laughs> oh, everybody stops. They run back there. She didn't even make it past the first refrain of the music. They get her water. Take a break. Five minutes. They get her up. You okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything. They start up again. Here comes the boom. Down she goes again. She fell down, passed out four times. Fainting goats. Out she went. By the time she was in front of me, oh, true story, Rob will tell you. She had two bridesmaids holding her up, and she was like this. And I was like, here we go. But it was my first one, and you have to do it. I'm sweating. I don't know what to do. And I'm reading through all his pages. I've not seen the pages. In fact, here's one of the problems. I didn't have enough time to even get to the end of the book. So I knew her name was Jen. His name was Dave. That's all I knew. Now, go through all the stuff, and everything's fine. And she answered every once in a while, is there holding her up? And we get to the end of the wedding. And one of my only jobs at the end is to do the pronouncement. So I get to the end of the book, and I said, and now I now pronounce you husband and wife. You know, David, you may kiss your bride. And then I say, I'd love to be the first to introduce you, Mr. and Mrs. David and Jennifer. And I turn the page over, 
in his name was that big. It started with an O. There was a K in it, a Y. I don't know if he was from Czechoslovakia. I don't know where he's at. And I looked at him and went, ah, ah. <laughs> Mr. and Ms. Davis, he goes, what? I go, you're married. And I just walked away. Because how many of you know, if you, get, you can't fight this. <laughs> There's no. Every good Catholic goes, oh, I'm sorry. Pastor, you're right. Have you ever been unprepared? Now, I was unprepared in that moment because, you know, it was handed to me just at the last minute. If you're unprepared to share your faith, that's on you. It's your job to know what you believe. It's your job to be able to articulate what God's done in your life. That's up to you. That's up to me. So how do we piece this together? How do we articulate this and, 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 and prepare our testimonies? Now, I got to tell you this. One of the reasons you're not prepared is because of us. Us pastors, we've done a crummy job of preparing you to be able to share your faith. Because sometimes we've lost our way and we forget. Now, don't get me wrong. We have a lot of stuff that we have to do. We have a lot of stuff that we have to cover. But if you were to boil all that down, the most important thing is to be able to, to teach you how to share your faith. So when it comes to sharing your faith, I want to give you just this little schematic real quick that I think will help you. The first is this. When you're piecing your testimony together, be brief. This is a mountain some of you have never been able to conquer. Be brief. You know, the story's not just, it can't be, you're not writing the Lord of the Rings. You know what I'm talking about? It all started years ago when I was an egg. Years ago. Be brief. This isn't, the, you know, this isn't your time to shine. So you got to think your story through. You have to think this way. How can you communicate your story, your God story, in three minutes or less? Because how many of you know, sometimes people don't have all day to do this. You know, that doesn't mean that you can't share more as you build relationships, but that initial thing, you know, you look for about three minutes. And remember this, the purpose of you sharing your story isn't about you. It's about awakening something in them. Ecclesiastes says this, it says that, I love one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says that God has planted eternity in the human heart. Do you know that? In every person you meet, there's this little seed that is drawn toward eternal things. And as believers, you know what we do? We help to breathe on the seed. We wake up the seed. There's something in everybody, whether they call themselves an atheist or agnostic or whatever it is, you know, whatever they call themselves, there's something inside of them that says, this is truth. There's something in there. It's an eternal seed. It is. So remember your story. Your story's not about you. It's about them. So you got to be brief. You're not writing Shakespeare. Second, be complete. Your testimony should flow like this. Before you met Christ, how you engaged Christ and what he's done in your life now. Before, how, and now. Now, this is tougher than you think. Why? Because we have a tendency as believers to go in one of two directions. We either make it all about how bad we were, and then we kind of slide Jesus in at the end. I was a jerk. I, I kicked puppies. I did everything you could do, and it was terrible. And I was all this, and I was terrible, terrible. And Jesus saved me, and everything's cool now. Bye. Or sometimes we, we, we whitewash our stories, and we pretend like we never had any issues at all. We don't talk about where we used to be because we try to distance ourselves from that. Do you know when you don't tell people where you used to be, you do the gospel a disservice, and then you make salvation 
in life unreachable for people because they don't think you have any problems. Because how many of you know everybody in this room right now is perfect? That's right. We have perfect families. We never fight with the children, right? So we did this thing yesterday, and you'll hear more stories about this. Yesterday, we celebrated Tori's birthday. And for her birthday, um, she wanted to do one of those escape rooms. Do you ever do an escape room? The last time we did an escape room as a family, we almost had to sign up for family counseling. Because <laughs> we couldn't get out of the Shawshank Redemption prison, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm not a big fan of it, but it's Tori's day, we're going to do our stuff. And, uh, you know, so we, we get in there, and it's just, it's, it's just, it's absolutely bananas. Um, part of it for us is, you know, I, I shared with somebody of our last thing where you guys, you guys struggled as a family and you couldn't, yeah, we, 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 we struggled. It's, it's okay to say that? Yeah. You know what that is? Reality. Sometimes you have bad days. You know, sometimes, you know, it, it, things aren't going the way they should. It's okay to include that in your story. You include it all. Who you were. You know, what God's done in your life now, and then, you know, what he's, gonna, what he's, what he's done in your life since then. It's a balanced testimony. Don't pretend like you've never had any, any, you know, any issues at all. So you start when you build the, the where you came from. Tell people about your story. Tell people about what you've walked through. Tell people about how you felt because people can relate to being lost. They can. And then don't leave out what happened, how you got converted, how you got saved. How did God reach you? Tell people about the emotions you felt because the chances are pretty good. They felt the same emotions. I was scared. I was nervous. I didn't know what to do. People go, that's how I feel. Keep all that in there. And then don't be afraid to tell how God has impacted your life now. I don't know about your life, but if Jesus wanted to come into my life, I don't even know if I'd be here right now. Or, the, or who you see now, the TJ you see now, is not the same TJ you would have met 30 years ago. 30-some years ago. Put all that in your stuff. Talk about what he means to you now. And, and don't, try not to use too much intergalactic Christianese. I was first sanctified when I saw the glory come down. And Jesus said, come hither to me. <laughs> Try not to do that, unless that's your normal groove. If that's your normal groove, go ahead and do it. I remember when I first got saved, I had no idea what I was doing. So it was like two weeks after I got saved, my youth pastor threw me into a van. He said, we're going to the park, we're going to go witness and evangelize in the park. And I'm like, what are we going to witness? Like, are they launching rockets? What are we going to witness? <laughs> so we get to this park, and he, and he paired me up with this guy. I don't know who this guy was. He goes, you'll pair. He goes, you just learn from him, glean from him. So this guy, I don't know how else to say this. He was, he was weird. So we go up to the first, you know, this is the 80s, the mid-80s. So you know everything, everybody's wearing teal and, and mauve and hot pink. It's the mid-80s. We walk up to these guys. They got like belly shirts on and stuff. And they look pretty rough. Their hair looked great. It was feathered to the back. It was great. And we go up there, and this dude with me is like, hey, man, he goes, we got, to, we got to talk to you about something really, some good. He goes, he goes let me tell you about this. He goes, he goes this is what, love letters. I look at the guy, I'm like, what, what do you mean love letters? He goes, he goes he's talking to these guys. He goes, he goes, you know, Jesus coming to you. He come to earth. He goes, it's like he is your lover. And he wrote you a love letter because he is your lover. And I'm looking, I'm going, the youth pastor didn't say that last two weeks, girls. I, I would have never raised my hand. And I'm watching him look at these guys, and he's talking about all these things. And as he's talking, I'm incredibly uncomfortable. It's like I'm reading the Song of Songs, you know what I mean? I'm like, what's going on here? This is main delivery system. He's all in love. And who are you going? And these guys are like, man, we don't want nothing to do with this. And the guy walks away. And I'm like, thank God. So I was relieved, and I felt this tug in my heart. I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit. I know now it is. 
I just went back to him. I said, dude, I don't know about, you know, the captain of love back there. I don't know about all that stuff. I said, but I do know this. I said, two weeks ago, I came to a place and this guy was speaking and it sounded like he was coming right to me. And two weeks ago, I didn't have any hope. I didn't have any life. didn't have anything. Now I have hope in life. And I know that God has a plan and purpose for my life. I said, all I did is I said this prayer and it's like my whole life changed. And this dude looks at me and he goes, that's amazing. I said, it is. He goes, can you, can you teach me that prayer you prayed? And I went, no. Because <laughs> I didn't pray it. The guy said, repeat after me. And I, I did that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And I was like, uh, I know Jesus is in there somewhere. Uh, I'm not going to get the love letter guy. He's, he's gone. Be prepared. Know what you're sharing. You know, know what your testimony is. I wish I could have gone back and, and held all that done, but, but I didn't. So first is be brief. Second, you know, be complete. Tell your whole story. And third, ready for this? This is a big one. Be supernatural. Sometimes we take the power of the Holy Spirit out of the entire equation. Your faith, sharing your faith was never meant to be this mental exercise. It wasn't. Sharing your faith was never meant to be apart from the Holy Spirit. Think about this. The Bible tells us this. Without the Holy Spirit, nobody comes to repentance. So when you share your faith with others, the Holy Spirit is working. He's working in you, and he's working through you. So what do we do? What's our part? We allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us in a naturally supernatural way. That's why he gave us the Spirit. Here's the problem. This is why people struggle with the gifts of the Spirit. Because we've isolated the gifts of the Spirit to live in this room on Sundays between 11 and 1. Do you know the gifts of the Spirit weren't designed for just this room? They were designed to be out there. Read the book of Acts and see what, what it tells you about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit have been given to the church. They're at our disposal so that we can live out the Great Commission. We can go and make disciples. So what does this look like? Well, if you got your Bible, flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Now, there's this crazy thing. This 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. How, you remember like the old, the old spaghetti sauce uh, commercials? Was it Prego or Ragu where the Italian lady would go, it's in there. In every Bible you pick up, that's a Christian Bible, 1 Corinthians 12, it's in there. That 92-page or pound coffee table Bible that sat, you know, the real pretty one? If you turn to 1 Corinthians, it's in there. God gave us this for the church. Look at it. It says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Everybody say each. Do you know who each is? You. Each. Didn't say some. Didn't say a few. What word did he use? Each. Not cheech. Each. Right? A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. It's a gift of wisdom. People have the gift of wisdom. And how many of you know that some people don't have the gift of wisdom? You may have children. Uh, forget it. <laughs> right? To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. This is the gift of knowledge. Have you ever had God speak to you, give you something when you're praying with somebody or speaking to somebody that you should know, but you know? I've had this happen to me a ton of times. I'll just be praying with somebody, talking to somebody, and God will say, ask him about this. I, I told you this. We were probably, we went to see the Jesus Revolution movie, us as elders, 
I don't know, probably about three, four months ago, and it's relieving Buffalo Wild Wings because that's all you always finish the movie with Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> after like 14 tubs of popcorn, but that's another story. As we're leaving, there's a lady that waited on us, and God just said, I want you to go back. I want you to talk to this lady, so I want you to ask her about this. I said, okay, I'm old enough now to just try to be obedient. So I went back, and I said, ma'am, this is going to sound weird, and I said, blah, 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 blah. And she looked at me. She started to tear up. And I said, can I pray for you? She goes, yes. And we prayed. Don't know what God did with it. That's a word of knowledge. I didn't know about that stuff. So I had somebody ask me one time, well, Pastor, how come God uses you in a word of knowledge or these gifts? Why does he use you? Ready for this? Because I'm open to it. Why can't he use you? Are you not old enough? Are you not tall enough? You know, are you too skinny? He can use you. The problem is this. It's not with God and his power. God has enough power, doesn't he? So where's the kink in the hose? It's us. Just ask God to use you, and he will. Ask God to flood. Well, is it scary? It's not always scary, but you know what else it is? It's a little uncomfortable. You come to the right place. It's uncomfortable. Let God use you. Verse 9. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. Miracles is a cool one. You know why? It could be anything. I mean, what were some of the miracles that Jesus did? He multiplied food. Hello. Isn't that cool? Turned water to wine. Did all kinds of stuff. Miracles could be anything. Are you telling me that God can still do that? Yes, he hasn't changed. Well, he doesn't do that anymore. Why? Do people not need miracles? Do people not need healed anymore? Why would God stop doing this stuff? You know what we've done? Oh, I'm going to probably get emails after this. You know what we've done? We've reduced God to us instead of allowing him to be God. We've made it about this and not the spirit. We'll keep going. To another, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether their message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language, while another is given the ability to interpret what's being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each, everybody say each, each person should have. Be naturally supernatural when you share your faith. It's possible to do that, ready for this, and to not be weird. You don't have to be weird. The Bible says this, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That means this, how you deliver God's prophetic word, he'll come through your personality, through your heart. He will. So, where are we at? Oh, we're out of time. So, this is your assignment. You, you, have, you have homework today. How many of you love homework? I think, have you ever thought about this? So our, our, our goal is, it's a great commission, to see people come to Christ, right? People are the only thing that you have that's eternal. That's the only thing you can bring with you is people. So here's your assignment. Imagine this. If next week, each of us shared the gospel with one person and brought them with us next week, you know what would happen? We would double. That's basic college math, baby, right? And if everybody in this room did the same thing the next week, we would double again, then we would double again, and we would double again. I don't care about numbers. I care about eternity and people. If you did that 
for six months, you know what would happen? Delaware would predominantly be a Christian state, which means it would affect everything. Our schools, our commerce, our government, everything. And by the way, I'm not talking about political parties. I'm talking about the human heart. Right? And if that continued, God would move in our nation, and then he'd move in the world. And we would see justice. We would see humility. We would see favoring others. We would see the oppressed and all these people. You, you would see justice flow out on the streets like a river. And love. And harmony. You'd see all of it. We would experience revival. Revival starts in you. And it starts with one word, two letters. Go. So here's your assignment. Go. Do your little thing. Get your testimony down. Sharpen that baby up. If you don't know what you're doing, you know, test it on somebody. Test it on your husband or your wife or your brother or sister. See how they do with it. If they say this stinks, change it. And then find one person. We're going to just take a second to pray at the end of the service. We're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to give us one person that we can share our faith with this week. And the next week, bring them with you. Bring them with you. And here's the long-range goal. You ready for this? Uh, I, I think I can share this. Um, so I was invited to a meeting about a week and a half ago at our district office. These are numbers that they just rolled out in the Assemblies of God. So we are, as far as the major denominations, we are sinking the slowest. So we're leading the pack, not going down, but staying afloat. Last year in our churches, 25% of our churches did not see one conversion. And all the churches in the Assemblies of God USA. 35% of our churches did not have one water baptism. 35%. 55% of our churches had no spirit baptisms. So last week when we baptized 26 people, we blew apart all of the stuff. So what God's doing in our house right now is very uncommon. But how many of you know that he's God and we're not? Right? So what we're going to do is we're going to change those stats. Not because the stats matter. What matters is this. Lost people matter to God and they matter to us. So we, we go and we dump the tank to find them. Right? So long-term assignment. Just this year. Try to make one disciple this year. Just one. If you make one disciple this year in our house, we would have added about, oh, 750, 800 people to the house. It's about how many people come here. If you make one disciple, just one. That's 750, 800 people that will go into eternity because you, one word, two letters, go. Share your faith. So bow your heads. The two things I want us to target with the Holy Spirit real quick. First is this. What is keeping you from the Great Commission? From going? Is it fear? Apathy? What is it? I don't know. Talk to the Holy Spirit about it right now. Say, Holy Spirit, will you show me what is keeping me from being able to share my faith? And listen to what he tells you. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, 
head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.